tonight we are driving. Welcome to a first road trip episode of Booking Pop Culture, not from where I like to call the Mike Nine Studio, but we're on I-94 driving to Fort Wayne, Indiana. We might be out of state, but still in part with and syndicated through Podcast Detroit. I'm your referee and wheelman, Rick Vivian. Tonight's bookers are riding shotgun, my Chewbacca, this podcast attorney, Jay. Hey, what's up? All alone in the back seat, Miss Daisy style. God loves Bronson kills. Dickie Bronson. Take me to the Piggly Wiggly. The Piggly Wiggly? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Like I said, we are on I-94, headed to Fort Wayne, Indiana to go see Ghost. Figured we'd try to do the mobile Mike Knight studio and road trip a little bit and talk a little Spider-Man. Uh, I really enjoyed it, but I think, Dickie, we'll start with you because it didn't sound like you were a big fan of it. I don't know. I have to see it again. I do because uh, I went late and I went hangry, which wasn't oh, so. Oh. But I will say, everything I didn't love, I hated. There was no like lukewarm. Oh, okay, I was okay with that. But there was a lot of stuff I really liked. Like all the humor was great. Uh, all the parts with him and Spider-Man were great. Michael Keaton was obviously awesome. He was. Um, Iron Man was used just enough. I think. I think he was. He was what Spider-Man was to Civil War. Like, the modest use of him to further the plot and everything like that. Well, let me get through what I didn't like. Okay. And I'll see what you agree we'll, with. We'll end on a happy note. Yeah, yeah exactly. There That's we better. go. Well, happy endings are always the way to go. Happy uh, endings in the car. Oh, we're passing the Velvet Touch. Oh, yes. We, <laughs> <laughs> hey, there it is. Well, there's... That's... <laughs> Oh, show passing. business. I'm, I'm, we're passing it. Yes, yes, we are. We are. Yep. It's on the other side of the freeway. There's yeah, no there's way no we can get to go. it other than this no. exit right here. Ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I didn't like the way it opened. So like, the, as soon as it opened, I found the uh, selfie video diary thing went on a little long for me. Felt like that went on a touch long and became kind of irritating. But at the same time, I realized that they're trying to hit a certain demographic, and oh. it's clearly a movie marketed for the middle school. I mean, all the Spider-Man movies were always a bit of a younger crowd, but this seems to have not minded excluding an older crowd. Well, yeah, because yeah, everyone under the age of 20 has, is doing a million Instagram stories, and that's what that was. Yeah, I, I know that's what they were trying to hit, yeah. but I found it irritating, and I realized it's because it's not my market, I understand. The chubby friend, his, who was named Ned Leeds, by the way, which was actually the name of the Hobgoblin. Um, really? He's hmm. credited as, he says, they call him Ned, but he's credited as Ned Leeds. Oh. Which, so you know, interesting. They could have just given him the chubby Asian kid's name in the Sp Ultimate Spider-Man comics. Yeah. Which is exactly who I think he was. He went from, I understand he was supposed to be kind of like the whimsical nerd friend, but started to get overused to the point of being a little irritating too for me like he, he didn't he didn't hit as much as he should have i didn't mind the character i think if used sparingly and used better flash thompson fuck i know they want to do something different but making flash thompson a, thompson a nerdy indian kid instead of like the you know the all-american jock i get they wanted to go a different route but i feel like flash thompson becomes more of an important thing in the comics later where he becomes the vindicated bully you know, he gets goes to goes into the army, loses the use of his legs, eventually becomes venom because of it, and turns around. You know, that is a core part of that character later on in the series. To where changing that aspect of him kind of eliminates any possibility of evolving that character later on. That 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 bugged me. 
That was the only part that really bothered me was was the Flash uh, part. Was that and did they ever say Thompson or did they just call him Flash? They just they called just him call Flash. Flash. Okay. Yeah. Um, I had no problem that he was uh, an Indian kid. It was more the fact that he wasn't a jock. The fact that he was a brain. Right. Um, and he was just this. He was a rich. Like you can brain. have that character. It doesn't need to be Flash Thompson. Exactly. Exactly. He could. I'm totally fine with the actor. What's his name? Zero from uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. He was great. But I don't even know if he's Indian. He may be Hispanic, actually. I think he's actually... But whatever. And the thing at the end, you know, spoiler, obviously, and if you mm-hmm. haven't seen it by now, fuck no, you. Oh, yeah, by the time we talk about it. The MJ... So the Michelle character I didn't really care for the entire time. It was very like, oh, this is your Ali Sheedy from The Breakfast Club. Very forced yes. rebel girl. A little bit too to, to spoon-fed it to you too much. Um, was it wasn't very subtle about it. And then at the very end when they dropped the MJ thing... I was like, oh, this is your Mary Jane, some some loner girl named Michelle. But then I read later on they went back and Kevin Feige, Fage, whatever. I've never heard his name said out loud. Said, uh, no, this is just a wink to Mary Jane. This yeah. isn't our Mary Jane, which made me feel oh, better. Okay, but that yeah. left a sour taste in my mouth watching the movie. Well, because she wasn't, she wasn't Mary Jane Watson. Nothing she even close to... MJ, Michelle Jones. Right. Which, I wonder if that's going to shoot him in the foot, too. It's almost a thir- fourth wall breaking to it in a bad degree, I think. Well, I don't care. They, they've screwed up the Peter Parker love interest so many times. It's um, never worked. No. Yeah. You have, uh, what's her pickle, um, Kristen Dunst? Was that the... the yeah, oh, and she was just... Yeah, so I, she's... I've she, gone over my hatred for that. Yeah, she's actually blonde, and they dyed her hair red, and then they did... Bright, uh, uh, what's Bright Stylus Howard. Was Gwen Stacy, and she's yeah. a redhead, and they dyed her hair blonde, and she was barely even in that movie. Yeah, and then in the Amazing Spider-Man, you had Emma Stone, who is natural redhead, a natural redhead, dyed her hair blonde to be uh, Betty, Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy, that's it. And so, and, and they've they've never done that right. I don't care. I think another thing that bothered me is I understand the tech was a part of the story too. But the tech was way overemphasized. Oh, he was basically Iron Man. It overemphasized. And yeah. I know even though some of it had the spider, you know, the spider uh, tracers and a few other things, I felt like it was like most of the movie was him using tech for absolutely everything. And, and that bugged me a little bit. A couple things would have been nice, but it was, it was over the top. Because half of the Spider-Man stories are, fuck, I can't beat the Shocker, I can't beat this guy. He has to invent the taser webbing or invent some sort of insulated insulation. There's him yeah. adapting to whatever villain he's facing. With this, he's already got everything he they, could ever want to use. They fast forward through that by having Tony Stark develop a mode suit. It, yeah, exactly. But um, and one the last thing I'll say that really bugged me, unless something else pops up, huh. uh, I didn't like any of the high school shit. I felt like it was too really? cheesy, too Nickelodeon. I don't know. It, it wasn't. Ri- I mean, I didn't mind it in the Amazing Spider-Man movies, but in these ones, I didn't like it. I felt like if if you take out all of the Spider-Man stuff, it was it was very much Breakfast Club. It was very much a right a high school, you know. I don't know who might take into the homecoming dance. Uh, I I liked that. I liked there was there was something that always happened every time they would they were meeting or he was in detention. I think the uh, high school mascot would be running uh, through the. Uh, through the halls with the head under his arm because he was late for whatever game was taking place. Right. That was cute. No, I don't mind that. I, I, I don't know. I feel like instead of trying to make, hey, this is going to be a Ferris Bueller's Day Off or this is going to be our breakfast club, how about you just make a fucking Spider-Man movie Yeah. and make it its own thing at the same time? 
the kids got that piece of uh, alien tech in his backpack on that field trip they were on, and it goes off when they're in the elevator. Okay, thing blows up in his backpack and nobody got hurt. It just blows straight up. Right, there's no doubt. Uh, that, that bugged me. I'm like, wait, everybody's fine? I don't know. There were little things, but as a whole, I've never been so conflicted about a movie. Like I said, the things I hated, I really didn't like at all, and all the things I loved were fucking perfect. So, I was a little disappointed that uh, they didn't do a little something more with Donald Glover. I know he was in there as a little bit of fan service to people who uh, had wanted him to be Spider-Man instead of uh, Andrew Garfield, and they went a different direction. He was great in the like two-minute scene he was in. Yeah, yeah, he was awesome. You could have definitely cut out some other stuff and made more room for him. Well, yeah, or they could have made him somebody else. I mean, well, that's the Prowler in the Ultimate Universe. Right. Is that who that is? Yeah, the okay. Prowler, and whose nephew is Miles Morales in the Ultimate Comics. Okay. So See, he I, made a nod, and he said, "Hey, my nephew lives in this neighborhood." That's who he was talking about. Okay. See, I never read any of the Ultimates. I just know through reading shit online that I okay. catch up on. This was very much Ultimate Spider-Man, though, like the Brian Bendis run, which I felt the same way about that comic run. Is some of it I really liked, and other things I I really didn't like at all. Like anything they changed, I felt like was gratuitous and not a mm-hmm. change for the better. Do you say that because the the tech and the suit, the tech and the suit, and the character, the, the the night and day character changes, it was more or less for the fuck of it. And to get a reaction that I feel like to actually serve a purpose in the story or make the story better. Okay. I, I read somewhere online that the the suit at the end that uh, Stark offers uh, Peter Parker and Peter turns down is essentially the ultimate Spider-Man suit. Yeah. No. That, that a little bit. I thought That's, no, it's more. It looked like it. No. I thought it was a nod to the um, to the Iron Spider. Well, the Iron Sp- didn't the Iron Spider actually have spider arms? It did, but I thought there was War? the Ultimate Spider-Man suit was exactly the same as the original Spider-Man suit. It's the same suit. Or are you talking about the Miles Morales suit? I think the Miles Morales suit was the one that they had um, offered him at the end. Not really. I think it looked completely different. Okay. I'll pull it up <laughs> since we don't have the Titantron. Yeah, no, <laughs> we are mobile as hell right now. This is, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm driving with this microphone around my neck like I'm a, like I'm a bus, uh, <laughs> like a tourist bus driver. On your left are trees. Yes, this velvet touch. <laughs> I really liked, I'm just going to say it out loud, I, I smiled throughout this entire movie. I, I, I totally enjoyed it. Now, obviously, yeah. I don't have the... Well, you know what, though? When it comes to Spider-Man, I feel like I do have a certain amount of background. But as far as everything that's happened in the last, well, I don't know, maybe 15 years of the books, uh, not so much. I see the, the changes they made, and I didn't really have any problems with it. It mm-hmm. seems like they've, at first I was a little upset. I didn't mean to cut you off here. No, but no. Yeah. At first I was a little upset that, okay, he's re- he's very young. And what's he supposed to be, like 14? 15, 15 in the movie. Yeah. And, you know, we keep saying, like, can we just get a Spider-Man that's, you know, 22 years old and, you know, full of piss and vinegar and going at it? Yeah. But I feel like they've got him for, you know, however many movies. And some of those are going to be Civil War and whatnot. But he's the beginning of where they're going with the Marvel Universe, you know, theatrically. Well, Uh, Marvel only has him for three movies. 
Really? Uh, yeah, they got this uh, Spider Trilogy, and then, uh, I, I mean, everything's up for I negotiation. I thought I heard six. Yeah, but it's going to be uh, three, three Sp Spider-Man proper, and then Infinity War okay. uh, stuff. But, right, so yeah. so three Spider-Man movies, yeah. Spider-Menses, but <laughs> then was it like two Civil Wars and a... Well, yeah, because they already did the first Civil War. He's barely and then you it. have the, the Infinity War. Infinity which War, is, which is going to be split into two, I think, isn't it? Well, they're doing an Infinity War, and then they're doing... Uh, I think it's just the Avengers 3 is the next the one after oh, that okay. or something. Oh, okay. But yeah, so they have them for like six yeah. movies, yeah. but three Spider-Men movies. Correct. Yeah, no, I, I liked everything from the intro, which was the classic uh, 60s, 70s, whatever it was, uh, 70s Spider-Man intro. Mm -hmm. Sort of a medley of that. I liked that up through the end. It just was, it just made me happy. I, it was the best, I'm going to put it out there, it was the best Spider-Man movie I've seen. I like it better than any of the Sam Raimi movies. Now, Spider-Man 2 the second Sam Raimi movie was probably a close second. Maybe could overtake this again if I watched it again. Uh, but I, I, I just really enjoyed every part of this movie. It was just fun, and it moved. It was paced well. Uh, I liked it. Yeah, I'll have to rewatch it. Yeah, I, I I'll watch go it, again. See it again. But uh, oh, yeah. I didn't mind Young Hot Aunt May, and not, and for more than just the obvious reasons. It just worked. Yeah. Because Aunt May was always the most ridiculous. Relative in comic, she's like eighty-five years old and has a fifteen-year-old nephew. That always bothered me. Growing it's up. just and just an unlikable character. Even in the Raimi movies, I found her highly unlikable. Yeah, she didn't she smack Peter in one of them? Like when he says that she was there when Uncle Ben died, and she like smacks him or just storms off and doesn't talk to him. Wasn't that Sally Field? No, Sally Field was in the Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, movies. okay, okay. And she was fine, actually. I did. She was totally cool for that role. Yeah, I'm over. Another reason, too, is I think no matter how they handled the high school stuff, I'm just so over the high school Peter Parker. We never yeah. got... The true Spider-Man doesn't come into his own later in life anyway. College, high school. I mean, college in his 20s, and then being a professor like the coolest stories to me. They completely... I don't want to say completely, because they, they mention it, but they completely bypass the... You know, essentially the origin, the the spider bite. He's no, uh, you know it, and yeah, you know. that's a, that's where I'm, where I'm going with this. Is that does everyone know this at that point that you know he's bit by a radioactive spider? Let's move past that. I'm just so happy we didn't get to see, we didn't have to see uh, Uncle Ben die again. Yeah. yeah, if I never see Uncle Ben or Bruce and Martha, I mean uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne die again on film, I'll be fine. I think Batman Superman, it was just a montage at the beginning, right? Yeah, Batman, I just didn't need it, That's though. fine. You didn't need it, but, you know, I think everybody wants their crack at that. I think if they gave you a superhero movie, of course, I think you're going to want your, okay, well, I'd like to have at least part of how it happened. I always wanted to tell that part of the story, you know, which I can understand. But they can always flash back if they ever want to, but they don't need to for this one. I actually like the way they handled it in the Incredible Hulk movie with Ed Norton where the opening scene was basically like the intro of the Hulk series, where they tell the, during the intro of the movie, they're telling you the origin without telling yeah. it. They're just showing yeah. you frames. Like, okay, and here we are. Yeah. No, I always dig that now. I mean, we've all, we, we all know all these origins, so. You know, judging by Marissa Tomei playing Aunt, Aunt or Marissa, yeah, Marissa Tomei yeah. playing Aunt May, Uncle Ben must have been quite a stud. I bet you it's going to be Rob Lowe. Oh, you think? Or, no, I don't know. 
<laughs> in a flashback. John Stamos is yeah. Uncle Ben. Yeah, no, that, that would that all makes sense. I, I read somewhere where, uh, you know, they were, people were complaining about, you know, them making Aunt May younger. It never and bothered me out of all the things that bothered me. No, I'm perfectly fine with it. And Marissa Tomei can show up in any movie she wants. <laughs> uh, but I read where Marissa Tomei is a year older than Rue McClenahan when she started Golden Girls. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. So, so think about the Golden Think about Marissa Tomei and four other women, I guess older than her a little bit, uh, living down south in Florida and starting up a TV show. What do you think of that, Rich? I play it in my head every goddamn day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who would be in that? Who else oh, would be in shit. that? You got Marissa Tomei, uh, Terry Hatcher. Oh, okay. Courtney Cox. Mm, Courtney Cox is younger than Marissa Tomei, isn't she? Is she? I would say so. Ooh, shit. Helen Mirren is Sophia. Oh, yeah. And... It'll come to me eventually. All right, well, think about that. I've kind yeah. of put you on the spot there, but yeah, that, yeah, that hit me that there's there's kind of a little Golden Girls tie there in a way. Yeah, Golden Girls 3.0. It all comes back to Golden Girls. Just because I assume there was a 2.0, I don't know about. Yeah, well, uh, Golden Palace maybe. I'll yeah, I was gonna say there was that. Uh, yeah, offshoot or whose whatever. name shall not be spoken. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about Sinister Six though? I feel oh. like the in film they're trying so hard to put together a villain group and it's the sinister six that they keep going back to and i don't know that that's really going to ever translate well onto film cuz no, i think six that's always been the downfall terrible. Of, that's been the downfall of every superhero movie is introducing a, a third villain i oh another couple things so i actually liked that the shocker finally made it to screen yeah, but he was fairly useless. They didn't. I feel like he could have gotten more time or be used in a different way. I think he was too much of just a generic henchman. But I liked it. You know, I liked him. I liked that they actually had one guy was the shocker and they passed it to the next guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like the dude they have for Scorpion. Uh, yes, I looked at him and I was like, yeah, that's Matt Gargan. Yeah. Like you look at the dude, you're like, even though I have no ideal Scorpion in my brain, when I looked at that guy, I'm like, fuck yeah. Do you do you watch Better Call Saul? No, I need to. I've yeah, never he, watched Breaking Bad either, though. Oh, but fix I, both of those things immediately. But he's from those those shows. Yeah, he worked. I actually, I really liked that mid credit scene. Yep. Michael the, Keaton saying, "If I knew where he was, he'd already be dead." Because he's a he's saving face in prison. Yeah. Yep. And B protecting Peter, so he gets like a little vindication in there. Before we before we talk about the vulture, and that's something that we haven't talked about yet. But I noticed in that mid credit scene that Scorpion is. I don't know if his arm is being set with like some He's kind of got something on there. I noticed yeah. that too. I that thought it looks like some tech, but why would he have that in jail? It must be like one of those range of motion things. That's what I'm thinking. It's like was his arm severely broken and it's it's keeping his arm in, in a certain place or something. Yeah. They, you just barely see it, but it's enough to think, well, that could be the start of a of a you know, his suit. Right. Yeah, I noticed that too, and I couldn't tell exactly where they were going with it. Yeah, Michael Keaton as the Vulture. All in. I, I, I dug it. Yeah, uh, he was great on every fucking level. 
Vulture was never one of my favorite villains either. No, I think everybody was always like old bald guy with wings. What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, he's just got a little yeah green tights. I liked I liked the uh, kind of the nod with the flight suit with the overly furry collar. Yeah, well, the, the look was perfect. Yeah. It was amazing. They did the wings a great too. Oh boy, they looked they looked how they would. I mean, we're suspending our disbelief, of course, but how they should function. And I especially loved when they did that uh, the seal. Yeah, where he covers up like a true like a bird. Yeah, yeah. that was perfect. Which yeah. is very cool. I, I liked how they established him as somebody who's, you know, he's a he's a, a scrapper, gets kicked off their job. That leads to him, well, we're still going to scrap this stuff because there's some expensive stuff coming out. Uh, you know, it all it all stems from Civil War. Like, they're, they're yeah. cleaning that up, which was kind of funny. And certainly all the things that they're finding. Well, it was Avengers 1 with the oh, alien it? tech that... Uh, oh, okay, okay. When they, there was the whatever beasts came down. I forget what they were called. All right. The uh, Chitari. Yeah, that's it. Uh, but. So he develops uh, that yeah. suit so that he can essentially fly in and steal this stuff. Yep. And, uh, well, all the best villains are pl- have plausible motives. Yeah. And he had a very plausible motive. He wanted to provide for his family and he'd overextended himself trying to do this job. And this job was taken away from him by Stark. And now he's pissed at Stark. Oh, it's he doesn't see what he's doing is wrong. He even seemed to have a little bit of uh, remorse or regret when he completely vaporized the original Shocker. Yeah, right. Complete accident. Yep. Yeah, I liked it because I like when when villains are so healed that they're doing things like nobody would ever do. I'm taken yeah. out of the movie. There's yeah. it's just like guys just killing people, just shooting, doing that to be a just dick. whatever. Yeah, like, come on. Oh, I'm gonna kill this fucking kid. Like, even the wet bandits. <laughs> like I'll even go that far. Like man, he was about to eat that kid's fucking fingers. Like so, they. Uh, I like that. Like one of the best scenes, and I, everybody agrees it's obvious. That scene where Peter goes to pick up Liz. I was skipping that. Oh up. yeah. And that whole like your stomach drops. You're like, yep. holy shit, he's gonna kill him. Right. And then there. the moment they realize who each other are in the car, and he gives them the "I'll kill you and everyone you love" speech, which you can tell was more of a scare tactic than a "I will do it." Because even at the end, when they when he faces him, and he's standing there at the desk, and him it's him as Spider Man talking about he's going to take him down. He kind of still gives him the option of fucking off, you know. So, yeah, yeah, it makes you think like, okay, I feel like these are all threats, and he's dead serious, but you don't know if he ever really would kill him. He's very like, you know, he gave him the option. Well, and that's what it ties back to the the mid credit scene where. It's a, it's a threat. I, I think that at this point he may follow through with it, but he also knows that Spider-Man owes him one, or he owes Spider-Man one because he saved him. Yep. Uh, and I don't think he That's wants right. to, to, to do it, but I think that he's going to gather a crew. I don't even know if it's going to be Spider-Man 2. It could be Spider-Man 3, which would actually be better, I think, that if they if they laid off the Vulture for a, a, yeah. well, a movie. He's in jail. Leave him in yeah. jail for a minute. Yeah. I think he's entirely... I think that... I don't think he's going to fuck with trying to kill him for anything, but the only time he got aggressive with Peter was it was if it's you or me, then it's going to be me. You yeah. know, that type of situation. You know, and it was about protecting his family at the same time, too. So, yeah, anytime he got to, like, I want to kill Spider-Man thing, it was to save him from going to jail and losing his family yeah. scenario. It was never, uh, oh, I just hate Spider-Man that fucking much. The tension driving to that, the tension in that scene, the mm. driving to Homecoming, I uh, 
I was in, I'm in those chairs that, you know, you, you fold out the legs or whatever and you're nice and comfortable. Totally sat up straight, feet on the ground, like, holy shit. Yep. Well, can we just appreciate that Michael Keaton is amazing and doesn't do enough stuff anymore? Yeah. No, I think he's very he's particular awesome. about what he picks. Yeah. Oh, good for him. He, I mean, he obviously picked right with this one because this deciding you're going to play the vulture could go very wrong. Oh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine John Malkovich in the Sam Raimi movies as Vulture like they planned? Ugh. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that was the original. And then the Vulture's daughter, I guess, Anne Hathaway was going to be his daughter uh, and play like a female Vulture also. And it just didn't sound it didn't sound good. No, that sounds awful. And then luckily, you know, Raimi pulled out when Raimi pulled out, the cast pulled out and then they had to reboot. I, I could see Malkovich being a supervillain. Sure. Um, but with, he's, he's kind of batshit crazy anyway. The way Raimi wrote the villains were just so camp. Except oh. for Dr. Octopus. He was great. Even that was a little little over the top. But Well, and that's why I like this one better than the two Sam Raimi movies. Especially the first one. People like like to talk up the first one. <sighs> Try watching it now. You watch it now, <laughs> and it's... it's Spider-Man in a mask, you can't see his mouth or his eyes, and Green Goblin in a mask, where you can't see his mouth or his eyes. Yeah, yeah it was. It it's, looked like it was like Power Rangers. Yeah, it's bad pantomime. And then I just I just saw something online where, um, oh crap, who's the guy who played Green Goblin? Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Willem Dafoe. The first the first mask they were going to use for yeah, Green it Goblin looked amazing. Had, yeah, had all the the it, animatronic on, one. Yeah, maybe you sent me that link actually. I have before. I okay. think. Okay. And, and, yeah, they were just too freaked out about it because it was too freaky. So then they came up with that, you know, I don't know. Stupid ba- helmet. Yeah, it looked like the hood of a car with the windshield on it. Nothing, yeah. It was pretty bad. Because Willem Dafoe was great. He's oh, yeah. great. He's oh. awesome and everything. But, yeah, that mask was, like, straight out of the comic book with, like, amazing lifelike uh, motion features mm-hmm. and, like, emotions they could do. It was awesome. But I couldn't see unless they did something where... We're going back to that movie where his face was, you know, rearranged by something where that replaces his face. I couldn't see him. Like, what would be the reason of putting that on as a mask? That's the thing in comic books is a lot of the shit was created so long ago and somehow managed to stick around for so long that it's and there's comic book physics where like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a mask this guy uses. But somehow like clings to his lips so he can move his mouth. Yeah, but the Green Goblin was. It was Goblin, right? That was his real face. No, no that was the Hobgoblin. Oh. No, and the, even the Hobgoblin, it was a mask, and eventually in, he mutates. He, yeah, until uh, Inferno, when he sold his soul to the devil for the actual Hobgoblin powers, and then the the penance, or the well, the price he paid, was he lost his face, so he could no longer take off his mask. His yeah. mask was just his face. But yeah, those are supposed to be straight-up masks in the comics originally. Except Ultimate Spider-Man, he turns into a, the Hobgoblin, kind of like the Hulk. That, along with, like, Wolverine's mask and a lot of different masks, were like, wow, like, you'd need some heavy prosthetics to be able to do this when it's just supposed to be some bullshit mask in the yeah, comic books. Yeah, just covering your face so people don't know who you are. Yeah, the 90s were the king of impractical costumes for the sake of it, like boob windows and parts of the torso of the shirt missing and just really <laughs> impractical. <laughs> oh, man. No, I, I've had such a love-hate relationship with Spider-Man uh, through the movies, through the comics, Spider-Man was honestly my first comic love. Yep. I mean, I got my one of the first comic books I remember getting was 
uh, when the Jackal uh, saga was going on, and he had he had uh, people strapped to a, a a bridge, and Spider-Man had to choose who he, had, who he was going to save. And well, as I say, as a kid, you, as I mean, a child, you're watching Sesame Street, and then you switch over. Maybe they didn't have this in Canada, but you switch over to Electric Company. And yep. in Electric Company, they had a they had a Spider-Man. Yeah. For some reason, and he didn't talk. He just had bubbles over his head that that would you know essentially show his thoughts. And at my age range, at least, so you're watching that. The '60s Spider-Man was always on replay on like Channel 20. So I grew up watching all of that, which was basically like Spider-Man and who on acid. Oh yeah, um, and they'd always for some reason they always ended up at like a, a discotheque or something. There'd be just weird music and, and <laughs> funny lights and shit. But yeah, that was the Spider-Man that I grew up with. But yeah, you're right. I mean, between that and then obviously the um, you know Adam West uh, Batman, Spider-Man and Batman were the first things that that you were exposed to as a child. Oh, for sure. And I, I read Spider-Man through the two incarnations of the Sinister Six, and then. Through the McFarlane era, the Eric Eric Larson actually was my favorite uh, Spider-Man artist, just because I loved the way he uh, the his webs and I loved the way he drew the mask. Um, and then uh, I tapped out right after the the uh, the Clone Saga. It just got too terrible that really everybody bad. was a clone. And then I tried to start up again, and during Spider Island. And I didn't like that either. And I tried to start up again with the rate latest reboot. And Peter Parker is basically Iron Man now. And he's Tony Stark. He is a bajillion dollar company. And it's just not the Spider-Man I want. And this, uh, this flick, I feel, gave me at least a starting point to get to where I hope they give me more of the Spider-Man I want. I'm very hopeful for this series. How about that? I was reading Kevin Smith's review of, of the Spider-Man. And he, he felt that... This this Peter Parker would ultimately take over for Iron Man in the in the, in the movies. I could as, see that as Iron yeah. Man, and then um, what's his name? Miles, uh, what's kid? Miles something would take over this for Spider Man in that that new suit. Okay. Oh, Miles Morales. Yeah. Huh. I could see that. Well, it's, it was sort of blend where they are in the comics right now because. Right now, there is a Peter Parker and a Miles Morales. Right. I think you have to do that. You can't kill Peter Parker in the movies. It's just, yeah. Because that was an alternate version of Spider-Man. Yeah. The ultimate version, and you still had a regular Spider-Man yeah. in the regular universe. Whereas if you kill Spider-Man in the movies, that's all you got. You're killing Spider-Man, period, in the cinematic franchise. You yeah. can't really do it. As long as we don't get a Ben Riley, I'll be fine. I feel like they might name a character Ben Riley. But it would have nothing to do with clones, and I don't think they're gonna touch any of that shit. Just to just to have a little nod to it. Yeah. Yeah, and watch me. Plot or maybe he'll name seat. like. <laughs> he'll name Why did his, Jay just leave the movie theater? <laughs> he'll name his pet frog Ben Riley or there some shit. Go. Yeah, there we go. Okay. <laughs> what about Tom Holland? This kid is great. Great. Have you seen any interviews with him? He is English as fuck. Yeah, very British. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah, hear he's you'd never. That You'd never guess it. He's dating the MJ chick now. Yeah, Zandra or Zappadoodle or something. Yeah, Zendaya. Zen yeah, yeah. There like we that. go. Yeah. Why? Why does she only have one name? No, she's her name's something Zendaya, isn't it? Yeah, she's just dropped her last name or first name or. Oh really? Yeah. But whatever. Was she, eighteen? I think so. Well, he's like that's, that's too young. He's like twenty. 
He's 21. 21. Yeah. But he looks 12. Yeah, no, he's, yeah, he looks so young. Whereas Toby Maguire probably wasn't that old, but he looked 30. Yeah. It was like, uh, he, was he looked a, like 21 Jump Street in there. Yeah. Eternally awkward. Yeah. yeah. There was a lot of really awkward dialogue in both those Sam Raimi movies. Yeah, just some of the speeches that were supposed, I was like, I know I'm supposed to be feeling an emotion about this, but that's a really weird thing to say. Those Sam Raimi movies aren't terribly rewatchable either. They're not. Like, so I still liked, I mean, I know I did like at the time Spider-Man 2 a lot. It's probably the yeah. best out of all of them. I'm afraid to rewatch it. Spider-Man 2, I did rewatch Spider-Man 2 recently, and it, it holds up okay. Spider-Man 3, obviously, was garbage from start to finish. Spider-Man 1's more disappointing that it doesn't it's, it's hold up at so all. It's so bad. Yeah. It's I, really I, bad, but it was the best you had at the time. Yeah. Because it seems like they, they made the movie because, okay, if special effects are finally at the minimum they need to be to do a Spider-Man movie. I think is entirely the reason they did it. No, the, the reason it took so long to do the Spider-Man movie was because it was in litigation for decades. Well, no, James Cameron was going to do one with yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, they couldn't get their, their, their poop in a group because they'd been trying to do a Spider-Man movie uh, since the Keaton Batman got off the ground and went, and then Marvel went, That's wow, right. we got to do a Spider-Man movie. Holy crap. Who the hell did, did Stan Lee sell this rights to? Well, like three different studios. <laughs> yeah. And so they couldn't do anything. Uh, it, we actually studied the, uh, the Spider-Man conundrum uh, litigation in uh, entertainment law when I was yeah, uh, it was studying owned by in LA. Canon Films at one point. Yeah, it was, everybody, and it was just these podunk films companies that yeah. that owned it because uh, Marvel was hemorrhaging money and they needed to sell off properties it just this to exist. Was the eighties when they were going bankrupt, right? Eighties and nineties, yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't because they did not become solvent really until Disney bought them. Yeah, I started watching. Um, Doom on Hulu, and it's that documentary about the fanta- the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. So I'm only 30 minutes in. They have, man, Hulu's got all of them. They have the one about Batman Dead End. They have the one about Superman Lives, and then they have this one on there now, too. It's just really interesting to see how entertainment law affects comic book movies. Well, it's, it's how it's affected the entire Marvel Universe. That's the one thing DC has going for it is that it's all Warner Brothers, and it's been all Warner Brothers forever, basically. Fantastic Four uh, has been owned by... It's a, it's a Sony property as well, is it not? Or is it a Fox property? Fox. It's Fox. a Fox property. So that was another one, because they say they sold off the Fantastic Four and the X-Men properties to just keep themselves afloat as well, just like they did with the Spider-Man properties. And so they're not part of the, the continuity at all. And honestly... Not having the Fantastic Four in the Marvel continuity is a huge deal. However, I do think that in order to properly capture everything about the Fantastic Four, it'd be work better as like a Netflix series than it would be as a movie. Because honestly, Fantastic Four, their entire deal is that they don't really get along and they're kind of dysfunctional. And it's hard to do that in two hours. Yeah, without them making looking like dicks. Yeah. More or less. So when did Sony get Spider-Man rights? Uh, they officially got the rights. Uh, well, they had the rights, but then it was locked up with uh, a couple other film studios. They didn't clear the rights until just before they made the Tobey Maguire movie. And then they were about to lose the rights again because there's a clause that if they don't make a Spider-Man movie, 
every X amount of years, the rights rights can revert. Is and that about, is that for every movie or just in that? Just the Spider-Man contract or I agreement? I think just in the uh, the Spider-Man agreement. Okay. Spider-Man agreement is an anomaly unto itself. That's why we studied it in law school was that it was a weird deal. But that's why you got the Andrew Garfield movies was because, well, we got to do something with this again. Let's throw something together. Let's throw something together. I didn't mind the amazing Spider-Man, the first one. It wasn't great or anything, but it was perfectly acceptable. The second one was hot garbage. You, I know you didn't mind it, right, Rich? It was the same thing with Homecoming, but I I hated more of it than I liked. Yeah. But yeah, as a whole, the movie was not good. Now, have you tried rewatching it? No, and I don't think I will. I don't yeah. really need to. Yeah, I no. think uh, FX was just trying to score a little, you know, some viewership. They just had it on yeah. FX. It was right after I saw Spider-Man in the theater, so I rewatched it. Why is uh, Jamie Foxx? He's all he's he's Electro dude, right? Yeah. But he's got he's got some uh, MMA shorts on. Like, uh, he was the worst part of that movie. Yes, like they're basically he's kind of like a mini Doctor Manhattan. I'm not saying he's got a hang dong, but it just you know, dude. It why, why would why would point. he give a crap to even put some shorts on? He um. That whole nerdy persona that was never a part of the Max Dillon character before he added to, and for some reason they went with it. I don't know why Jamie Cox. Jamie Cox. <laughs> I don't know why Jamie Cox is calling the shots either. To be honest right. with you, uh, why Jamie Fox? Uh, actually, it all makes sense now. Yeah, fuck. I don't know why Jamie Fox is uh, making character decisions in the movies, and they're going. They're. I don't know if it's in his contract, but that was one of the worst parts. Was the really. Revenge of the Nerds-esque nerd face character that they threw in there that was just horrible, that had nothing to do with the real character at all. It was very Batman and Robin, that whole movie. Yeah. Well, and Electro, like the Vulture, was never really a great villain. No, he's just been around a long time. Exactly. Uh, But they did. That just shows you how to do a a C-level villain. You can have them work like they did with the Vulture. Yeah, because they they could have, like we already talked about, they could have easily screwed it up, but they didn't. They thought it out. They gave him like real motivation, and the motivation worked. With Jimmy Fox, they tried to give him motivation, and it really didn't. Yeah, it didn't at all. No, you know, I mean, and I liked uh, Andrew Garfield. I thought he was cool as a Peter Parker. Yeah, he would have been a great adult Peter Parker as opposed to a teenage one. I don't see all of his hair fitting into the mask. There's a lot of hair. (laughs) He's got a lot of hair. Yeah, yeah. When Gwen Stacy dying was heartbreaking. We went over that before, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, the show. things they nailed were like, wow, that was great. But they have another shitty Green Goblin. Oh, my God. It was terrible. It was like, literally, he looked like a, a kid who, he looked like a high school kid who wanted to go trick-or-treating and just said, I'm going to throw some shit in my face and be Green Goblin. Yeah. yeah it, it, it was bad. terrible. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't good. Which, again, I don't know why they would go that course when it's like, the amount of shit they got for the way the Green Goblin looked in the first Spider-Man, like, why would you do the same thing again? Why wouldn't you learn from your mistake and try to try to do something more interesting? Also, the addition of Chris... It would have been interesting to see where it went, though. Because Chris Cooper being Norman Osborn, who was slowly turning into the Goblin, you could see he was, like, partially green on his deathbed. I think he even had claws. 
And then, you know, they showed his frozen head at the end and all that other shit, so. I'm good that we didn't have to see any more of that rhino, though. That was really forced. Yeah. Really. That last scene of that movie. And one thing they did nail is the, I think I've talked about this before, too, the where he's standing at Gwen Stacy's grave, and it just shows, like, the seasons passing as he's yeah. standing yep. there. Like, if, it should have ended right there. It would have been a little dark, but it would have been better than that rhino and the little kid in the Spider-Man outfit thing. That you know, back to the Spider-Man litigation. So you mentioned that Sony has the rights, yeah. and and they had to make a movie every whatever. I'm assuming probably every three to five years, something like that. And and then because of Civil War and whatnot, Marvel said, "Give us the, back the rights," and they they worked out a deal. Well, it, it was the one of the impetus for it was the Sony hacks. It was in negotiations before. The Sony hacks, and then the Sony hacks sort of brought to the to the public that they were talking, and then they kind of had to do it. Well, I guess Sony head offices didn't yeah. even know about these emails. Yeah. And when they saw it through the hack on the internet, when everyone else saw it, they basically went to that office and said, "Why didn't you take this deal?" Oh. Okay. So a lot of people got into trouble for actually turning that deal down, from what I had heard. I want to say we were sitting at Centerfold Lounge when that occurred because you were telling me about it. That may or may not have happened. Yeah. <laughs> there was there was one night where we sat there and you ran through the whole Civil War and then we talked about the whole Sony situation. That, that sounds like something that would have happened to us. Yeah. yeah. That's what occurs. What is interesting, though, is that they not Sony not only has Spider-Man proper, they have the entire Spider-Verse. So they are, which includes like Venom, Carnage, and their entire Rogue Gallery, which of course also includes the Sinister Six, which is why before they rebooted with uh, the Marvel crossover, they were just going to try to do a Sinister Six movie with no Spider-Man. Yeah, uh, this is the thing with that. But they tried to build a uh, a shared universe with the Spider-Man movies, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard to kind of compete with Marvel. Yeah. When really the thing, the shared universe isn't one character's entire character list in a shared universe. It's multiple major headlining characters in the same comic book company. So a shared universe for the Spider-Man movies is digging and digging and digging. It is not even close to what a shared Marvel universe is. And that's where they fucked up, is you can't take Spider-Man and say, oh, the Spider-Verse. It's like, no. The shared universe works with Marvel because it's every single one of their major characters, not just one character and their whole continuity. Yeah. So that would have fallen flat. They just would have dug a deeper hole with that. It would not have panned out well. Now, there's been conflicting reports as to whether the standalone Venom movie will... just going to bring that up. Yeah. What is going on with that? This is where I read Uh, it. So they said originally, like, no, has nothing to do with Spider-Man, totally separate. Then that Amy Pascal chick went out and said, no, Peter Parker exists in our world. Blah, blah, blah. Much to Kevin Feige's chagrin, where he went back and said, well, you never know what will happen. I feel like that was supposed to be a surprise that she let out of the bag the way they the way they have said something redacted it then said something and redacted it it seemed like more or less spider-man was going to show up at the end and that was supposed to be a big surprise and she just kind of fucking ruined it well that's the way i read it i have no problem with spider-man not being in the movie but you can't have a venom origin story without without 
Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Right. I feel like you can't ever say this definitely doesn't take place in the same universe because if he's not in it, who's to say whether he exists there or not? Wasn't yeah. there talk that it was going to be Venom, Venom v. Carnage? Kind of uh, thing? Yeah, Carnage has been confirmed to be in it, I think. And is it going to be Venom the Space Warrior? Like, is it going to be Flash Thompson or is it going to be Eddie Brock? Well, no, I think Flash Thompson would just confuse the shit out of stuff. Though I would love to see that. That's why the inclusion of that version of Flash Thompson pissed me off, because Agent Venom was awesome. I thought that was a really cool storyline. So Venom's going to be a douchey kid in a convertible Audi? No, this is after... <laughs> no, the, the, ugh. Sorry. Yuck. <laughs> no, so uh, I don't know if we talked about Agent Venom at all. So Flash Thompson's paralyzed yeah. as an adult from his time in the Army. I don't know what war he was involved in, but... Uh, Basically, the government comes forward with him and offers him to be part of this Project Venom where they're learning to harness the suit and use it for, like, black ops. So the suit actually likes him. They, they paint a really interesting picture of Venom in those comics is that the symbiote isn't necessarily evil. It's a bit uh, malevolent, but it likes Flash Thompson, so it lets him control it, which is really interesting, but it's fairly violent still, so... Basically, Flash Thompson has to go between, hey, when I have this Venom suit on, I can walk again, and I'm invincible, but when I'm not, I'm stuck in this fucking chair. And they, they won't allow him with the suit on for a certain amount of time, otherwise it'll bond with him and start to control him a little bit more. So they basically, he has to pick and choose when he uses the suit. Yeah, and up until they rebooted Guardians again, basically, uh, Venom was a part of a Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Who has who has the Venom suit now? Is it Flash? It's still Flash. Okay. He, and he's just not part of the Guardians anymore. Okay. Because uh, Marvel decided they'd, they'd go back to the uh, movie version of the Guardians of the Galaxy and re-add, uh, er, like, uh, Star-Lord and everybody and get rid of uh, Kitty Pride and Venom and Thing. Yeah, it's up, it's up in the air whether or not Tom... I mean, I feel like Tom Hardy should be Eddie Brock. It we deserve a good sense. Eddie Brock. What pisses me off is if, say, we had, like, a, you know, we had the Topher Grace Eddie Brock, which we've gone over that before. God, that didn't work. I hate it when there's a, a character, and this was a pitch me, pissed me off about the MJ thing, because I, when I thought that was going to be their Mary Jane, I'm like, we still haven't gotten a good Mary Jane. It's not time to switch it up yet. You know, we haven't gotten a good Eddie Brock on screen. Like, we need to get this right first. And then if it fails, then, yeah, try your other options. But I'd rather see finally see a character get their due before you kind of fuck them over with a newer version. I don't think we're ever going to see a good Mary Jane. I'm just putting that out there. I think that Emma Stone would have been the closest thing to it, and they made her Gwen Stacy. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. That's a tough character to get right. It's a very comic book-esque character. The girl next door slash supermodel. <laughs> you know, happens all the time. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who happens to fall in love with the nerdiest of the nerds? Right. Yeah. No, the Venom movie sounds intriguing. I think our rating's cool. Like where they're gonna go with the symbiote? Is it, you know, is it a weapon the United States made? Is it an alien symbiote? Like how are they gonna weave that in? There's a lot of questions involved. I, I mean, I'll watch anything Tom Hardy's in. It's interesting. He's finally getting into the superhero franchise too. So. Yeah. But well, not finally. He was fucking Bane. Bane. Doesn't Tom Hardy age Venom beyond no. what Spider-Man's age is now? In this, yeah. So in yeah. the regular universe, Eddie Brock was maybe a little older than Peter Parker. Yeah. You know, maybe he was in his, like, mid-30s. Who knows? Um, and Parker was in, like, his late 20s. But in the Ultimate Spider-Man universe, they're both high school kids. 
and their parents worked on this venom project, which is more or less a cure for cancer, it turns out that it's the symbiote and it attaches to him. So they're the same age in the Ultimate Universe. In the regular universe, Eddie Brock's probably a little as senior. In this, there'll be quite the jump, which I don't have a problem with. I don't mind an adult kid being Venom and Spider-Man being 15. I'd like an adult Spider-Man sooner than later, but... I want to see a good Venom on film. I don't know if we're going to get it with this. At least not the one I want. I'm just excited that they're doing something with it. Yeah. Did you ever read uh, Carnage USA? I did not. It was that six-issue thing where it was... Carnage took over a, a small town, and they actually had to call in uh, Venom, Flash Thompson, to fight him. It was really well done. It was all super violent and super crazy. That would be the interesting place to, to end up down the road. I'm wondering how they will do and how much they do with Carnage, and if, they, and if the R rating is strictly because of Carnage and not because of Venom. See, what I like, I view Predator as the perfect action movie template. Okay. Some may disagree. I think Predator is, like, the perfect action movie. They fucking... And and I feel like Dread followed suit in this. The, you kind of hit the ground running. You tell the story as it goes. Like, there's still backstory, but it's as you're already in the meat of the... You know, it's almost more or less a real-time story. You know, it's all taking place within the span of a day. But you get everything you need to know as you're going. And I thought that was great. It would be sweet if Venom was the same way. Say fucking Eddie Brock shows up into town with this, you know, Carnage took over. And you get the meat of your background and story about Eddie Brock and Venom, like, as this is happening. I want to see that movie. Go make it. Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah, I'm I mean, in. That's your pitch. Yeah, it would yeah. be sweet. That's <laughs> yeah. the best way to get all your shit in. But you can, you know, through exposition and maybe a flashback here or there, you get, okay, this is how we got where we're at. But you're already in real time. This is it, you know. This is in the course of 24 hours or less, you know, bam. No, I'm, I'm all in for a Predator Carnage Venom movie. <laughs> yeah. My whole knowledge of uh, Venom and Carnage, it's mainly the, was it the 90s Spider-Man? Yeah, the 90s mm-hmm. Spider-Man yeah, series. Yeah, they had that all yeah. out on DVD. I've got, the, I've got all the DVDs that have Venom and uh, Carnage in them. Now, I didn't watch the 90s Spider-Man because, once again, in Canada, it was hard to get those shows. The cartoon? Yeah, the, the 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 cartoon. I loved it back then. Now Ani- I don't know. I think know. It, was, it was an animated series. Yeah. We, yeah. yeah. Oh, I apologize. Yeah. 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 Uh, but in that one, the Venom suit came down on uh, J. Jonah Jameson's son's shuttle? Yeah. Okay. Which I thought they were going to go with in the third Spider-Man because... His son, his son was an astronaut in there. Yeah, and he, they were talking about his thing. But no, it just kind of... Oh, didn't it? In the... in. In Spider-Man 3, did it come down on his ship? I have no idea. I there was no watched. explanation as to what no, it was. No, I thought it was a, wasn't it like a meteor? It was a meteor. Uh, it was a meteor. Somebody was poking at it with a stick? Yep, that's yeah. exactly what it was. Yeah. They tried to kind of do the thing a yeah, little bit. Yeah, exactly. What the fuck is this? And then it took him o- took over. Yeah. Because in the comics, he got it during uh, Secret Wars. I mean, he was... Uh, Very convoluted. Yeah. <laughs> this, that entire original Secret Wars with Beyonder was weird. Yeah. They'll, yeah, I mean, they'll never... I mean, it'll be interesting to see if it pops up somehow during Infinity War. Yeah. Because maybe that's it. Maybe that was the surprise. Maybe it's, you know, that's why, Kevin, they've been going back and forth, because maybe the symbiote was supposed to pop up in Infinity War. And, you know, Kevin's like, well, you fucking ruined it. You just got me so excited, Rich. I yeah. can't even explain to you right now. Yeah. Because if be they sweet. do that, that would be so perfect that 
during the Infinity War, he turns, and that way, by then, you'd be in the, the third Spider-Man movie? I think so. I'm not sure what, how the Spider-Man movies line up with Avengers. Yeah, and I'm not sure where... Infinity War comes out when? Next year? I think so. And Next I think summer? the second okay. Spider-Man comes out after the first after Infinity that. War. Okay, yeah, so we could be Black Spider-Man in the second Spider-Man movie, and you won't have to have the exposition. You can just jump right in and get a full movie of mm. just him being Black Spider-Man. Well, and this is the thing, too, is I, I read that Spider-Man 2 takes place, like, minutes after the end of Infinity War. Oh, okay. So if that's the case, then there you have it right there. The black suit shows up at the end of Infinity War, towards the end, and then fucking bam, the opening of Spider-Man 2 is him with the suit. It could not be more all in. Yeah, that would be pretty sweet. So we're about 20 minutes away here. Okay. Diggy, this is your first Ghost concert. What do you yeah. know about Ghost? They're a bunch of spooky ghosts. Oh, okay. Well, this will be interesting. Uh, no, I know it's supposed to be a really cool show. Yeah. Like, I'm actually shocked there isn't a ghost rock opera movie yet. I'm shocked. I figured that would have happened by now. This is kind of it. Yeah. 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 No, it, I don't know. It plays I out that way. I don't know what to expect. I just know that they, they do some really cool shit. Now, have you listened to much of their stuff aside from the Every- wrestling entrance music? <laughs> Everybody's oh, entrance yeah. music, yeah. <laughs> yes, I, yeah, yeah. I'm not a mega fan like everybody else is, but I've heard a lot of it. I like it. Very cool. different. It's hard to describe. When people are asking me what concert I was going to, I could not properly tell them exactly what it was like. And if you yeah. show them a picture of them, they don't sound like they look, specifically the vocals. Right. Because the vocals sounds like it'd be very black metal, rada, 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 rada. But it's not. It's very melodic. It's, uh, it, it's very classic rock. No, I like that they have a gimmick. Yeah, they. Well, you gotta have a gimmick, and that's yeah. what that's what draws me in as a, a kid from the '70s that grew up with Kiss and was a huge Kiss fan up until late '70s. Unfortunately, it's it's gone now. But there was a mystique to them of you know who are they, and now we're, it's Papa's band, and pretty much like Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. You know, I never really had a problem with that because I didn't really care who else was in the band. So, no. I think it's unfortunate that it was uh, he. They were unmasked through litigation. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not even done yet. It's just kind of no. starting. So oh, really? Gonna, I didn't know anything about that. Oh, tell him the story, Jay. Yeah. So <laughs> apparently, everybody else went to the Papa and said, "Hey, we'd like some money too," and he said no, and then he fired everyone. Who did uh, this? <laughs> Papa Emeritus the Third. Yeah, okay. the whole. That's so a very very tertiary view of what happened but yeah yeah that basically all the band's finances were handled through through his companies and or at least that's the way it's portrayed in 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 this lawsuit all the band members joined up and are suing him essentially saying that you know yes we were paid but we were told that once the band started making money we would you know essentially get royalty checks and that never occurred, and it sure seems like this band is making money. You know, let's, can you show us the books? And that's what would be interesting, is that uh, when all the litigation comes out, you'll be able to see what the, how they licensed each song through ASCAP. Yeah. And because in ASCAP, you have to assign a percentage of songwriting to each person. And whether they do that, or was 
this truly like a Trent Reznor is Nine Inch Nails, where he recorded and wrote and recorded all of the instruments. The most intriguing thing coming out of this entire litigation that I didn't realize is that when Papa did, when anybody who did a Nameless Ghoul interview, it was always Papa in a Nameless Ghoul kind right. of costume. I think that's fascinating. And so that, it's a bummer that it's all out, but it's little things like that that make me look back at their other stuff and kind of think it's kind of cool that that's, that was how it happened. Because he, he did some guitar clinics that were awesome. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because so he's very musically inclined. So it's... It's, it's a bummer that they're fighting. Uh, it doesn't really ruin the mystique for me. I know a lot of people are really bummed out about it, but I'm not terribly. So wait, they're all touring right now still and playing, and they're all going to court? No, no he's, he's replaced the entire band. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so this will be the first time seeing them with the new band. I always assumed it was the ghouls were rotating. I never yeah. thought they were always set guys. And for the most part, they have, except for some key ones, or at least... Probably the last two tours, I think, were the same guys. Uh, it's an interesting thing. I mean, Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails does it all the time. And I guess that's yeah. my frame of reference for that's this entire too. concept. Yeah, It was Trent Reznor and then a bunch of dudes, whoever was available, would come. And quite right. often they had uh, the same guitarist for, for quite some time. But he was a touring musician. And you recognize that he was part of the live act and you know, wasn't necessarily in on the album. But he was probably in the videos. Uh, I'm just very curious as to how the recording of it did because the way it makes it sound is that Papa recorded every instrument like Prince. Well, that's what Danzig and the Misfits, that whole war happened because Danzig taught all of them how to play their instruments. So he didn't individually record each instrument, but he wrote the musical parts and taught Jerry (laughs) Only and all those guys how to play drums, how to play guitar, how to play bass. Kind of like the Sex Pistols. Yeah. Yeah. The world's first boy band. Yes. Nobody knows that. <laughs> nope. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. No, I'm uh, anxious for, for this show just to see how the, the stage, it just how it's set up. Now, I think this are, will be the same one that we saw in uh, Detroit. Yeah, but are we are we going to see a coming of Papa the Four anytime soon, do you think? Um, that album doesn't come out until, like, late fall. So I don't think we'll see that. That always happens in Sweden as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, those Swedes! All right, we're back on the road. We are on US twenty-four, heading back to Detroit. And we just got out of the ghost show in Fort Wayne, Indiana. You know, Dickie, I got to start with you. It was your first ghost show, man. What'd you think? That was fucking sweet. You dug it? No, I knew I would like it. And I'm apprehensive about going to live shows just because it seems like about 45 minutes in, my my mind starts to wander, and I'm kind of like, all right. You, you know, it. Yeah. Kind of over it. Me and Jason did that because we went to that Laneway Festival. And it was yeah. sweet because we could just get up and go to another stage. Oh, those are all, yeah. Yeah, it was perfect. It was at Meadowbrook, so we could get, you know, watch one band for half an hour, 45 minutes, and then walk, go see a different one, go get a Red Bull, whatever. It was great. But no, this was fucking awesome. It was Theater Bazaar, the rock show. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's actually much. amazing yeah. to me that, 
like both of those things are unrelated. Like we didn't rip it off from them and they had never seen us because it's just like everything about like the production, like the aesthetic of it and all of it was just like so it would it would go together really well. Well, I want to say thing they had reached out to them to try to play Theater Bazaar like years ago, like early on Ghost and and this would have been probably one of the first Masonic uh, probably shows. the first if not the second, yeah. yeah. But you know, it didn't work out and I don't even know if there was any true conversation there, but you know, that certainly had crossed their minds. Yeah, it's almost sad that they're too big now to actually play Theater Bazaar. Yeah. Unless they just showed up as something else and then just played, which would be kind of cool, too. I could see yeah. that happening. But this, So this theater we're at, the embassy in uh, Fort Wayne, uh, small venue, but really cool, like really old theater, nice. Like the Fox or the Masonic or something. Almost. Yeah, yeah, but but smaller. like Yeah, way small. Uh, really, like, yeah, it's perfect Nice size. like the Fox, but small like Royal Oak Music Theater even. Um, yeah, I would say that. Yeah, uh, perfect. I love that they picked those old theaters for their shows because it, it really, really fits them. I, I would love to see them at Masonic Temple. I, I feel like they could, they could definitely sell the, sell that place out, and it would totally fit their theme. Well, I noticed when I walked in, I asked Jason, I'm like, is that incense? Or am I smelling like patchouli? He's like, no, they burn incense yeah. during their show, which I think is awesome. Yeah. And the music they're playing before, like the, the chanting and whatnot, that was really cool. And uh, like the, the little things they do, like the way they move when they're playing their instruments. And like in between, like I noticed the bass player stopped playing and he just stood with his hands behind his back, yeah. like at attention. And the keyboard player would have like one arm crossed and the other arm kind of like propped on it, like menacing when he's not playing. Yeah. Like, they all had their shit, and, like... Like, he's brooding. It wasn't overly produced. Like, there was smoke and fire and shit, but just the way they would form their placement on the stage when they were doing shit was fucking mm-hmm. awesome. And then they'd walk, and then they'd, they're constantly moving, but into different formations and patterns. Like, that was, it was sweet. I have to say, this is probably my second favorite ghost show. I've seen, I've seen them four times. This is my second one. The first time, although it was, like, a different... It was a life-changing experience, and mm-hmm. I'm not being facetious when I say that. Uh, but this this was this close second to that, and I don't know if it, if it's because there's a whole new crew, but there's a real different energy on that stage. Would you say so? Uh, yeah, the the you know the guys playing seem to be pretty happy to be out there. Oh, for sure, <laughs> and like really happy to be. Yeah, there. they were yeah, very think, animated. Uh, for sure. Yeah. I think lead guitar is fire. Okay, and fire definitely had fire. Oh. Dude was dude was fired up. Uh, you know, a lot of devil horns, a lot of leading. You know, pan, uh, pandering, I guess, but leading the crowd. A lot of uh, you know, kind of rock mannerisms with the you know s- swinging arm, like Pete Townsend, and he did the and, Angus Young across the stage. Yes, yeah, things like that. But it didn't break. It didn't seem out of place. No, at the same time. No, because the first time we saw them and their shows prior to that. Uh, they didn't move much. They just played. They just played and maybe moved their heads a bit, and there wasn't a lot of lot of animation. And then the uh, last time we saw them, but it was kind of the we'll just call it the original lineup. They start. They had some more movement to them. I did notice. So uh, Jay, you noticed this, and it, at one point in the last series of, of shows, they were they had to move some people around. And they uh, recruited a new bassist, and it was a female bassist from Les Zeppelin. Yep. And and she has certain movement, and obviously a certain body frame size to her and whatnot. That that had to have been her. 
I would believe it because it was a smaller person. I yes. couldn't tell it was a man or a woman, but yeah, that's another person that stood out to me in the way they moved. And like we were like definitely like they're pretty captivating. I thought it was yeah. Cool. And she's almost as tall, or uh, her base is almost as tall as her. Yeah. yeah. And I will I will that say would make it, sense. if it is the same person, she seemed a lot more comfortable up there well, than she did. And something that I noticed ago. was uh, I'm trying to think. The rhythm guitarist is Ether. Every now and then it seemed like you know. And then they're obviously miming it because they're wearing these masks. But it almost was like he was miming that he was going in for a kiss. Yeah, and with the bass player, just sort of putting his head on her shoulder. Yeah, I just yeah. noticed there was, so, you know, the uh, um, lead guitarist is flipping out all over the place, and then rhythm guitar and bass every now and then were kind of, like, flirting with each other. Like, I, I even noticed where she at some time, maybe even, it, there was, like, a little story there that, no, I, was, cool. that I was seeing. They each had their own personality. Just yeah. Like, yeah. I, the most I can equate it to is, like, Lucha, because I've had to wear a mask before. Yeah. So, like, they always say, like, wearing a mask makes you a better performer as a wrestler because you have to do everything else so much bigger because they can't see your face. Right. So I feel like performing, especially, like, even in, you know, that uh, that type of uh, medium, you would definitely, like, oh, shit, okay, I got to use my body. I have to, like, get the point across. Like, mm-hmm. the keyboard player definitely moved a certain way. Like, they each, like, had their own personality while wearing the exact same mask the entire time. Yeah. Real quick, couple things that were a little different. The drum kit uh, before was set back and turned a little bit, and this time it's a little more forward and facing directly to the crowd. And the keyboardist before the the keyboards were up higher and he would stand. This new keyboardist now sits, and then as you said, uh, Rich, between when he, when he's not playing, it's he's almost like pondering and like a brooding meth and like frozen in a statuesque kind of pose I thought it was interesting they seemed a little bit more playful as well yes I mean you had uh, Ether and Fire up there almost well Ether did do dueling banjos yeah yeah, yeah when they were just kind of doing a little dueling jam and then he went into the banjo thing yeah it's it's. I think it's sort of their their evolution of the band that they are is they are almost tipping their hat that they are in on the joke too yeah. Because it's, I mean, it's a pseudo-satanic devil band, but it's, it's tongue in cheek. Tongue in cheek, absolutely. It's, it's it's not, it's done like even more tongue in cheek than say Iron Maiden is. It's like Rocky Horror. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I imagine there's a lot of pressure though too. Like if I was hired to do that, like as I have been hired to work for a nameless company under a nameless gimmick with a mask, <laughs> you definitely are gonna be walking on eggshells thinking what how much liberty can i take with this like yeah. what am i gonna do that would be considered like killing the gimmick what yeah when are you I... no longer anonymous yeah exactly yeah. like okay did i like this i would imagine if i played in this band the slightest thing i do like oh what if i hold my pick this way if i do this this way like how do you what you know what type of mood are you, mood are you trying to set and i feel like if these guys have been playing a little while with them finally they're given a little leeway to be like okay i can loosen yeah. up and actually entertain a little more yeah and then right now they're on tour with iron maiden so that might even you know they they come out i think they probably do all of like five for five or seven songs before maiden you know they're touring with a pretty big band they're seeing that life so they're probably enjoying life right now yeah i mean in maiden they're all over the stage at all times I, i'm wondering how much of watching them night in and night out has sort of 
evolved their process as well. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like The Undertaker, too. So, like, Undertaker was a lit- literal Undertaker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and as that goes on, it's like, okay, this works, and you're getting over. Okay, you can ditch the purple gloves now, and you're still going to be over. You know, you can ditch the hat. You're still going to be over. You can ditch, you know, the urn. You're still over until now. You're kind of like you have the essence of what it was. But at the same time, you're still over as fuck. And I feel like that's kind of what they're doing is he's wearing less and less prosthetics. He's de-aging. So now they're realizing, okay, the, the pure gimmick got over. But now we can loosen up a little bit as long as we stay within these certain parameters and still be successful. Now, if this is the last time I see this incarnation of Papa the Third, I, I am going to miss the Dapper Papa. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm real curious what where they go with this, because I do very much like Dapper Papa. Just his, his movements, his, uh, there's a certain perversion, you know, hand gestures he's making and whatnot that are just hilarious. Well, I, the secondary version of Papa from Papa 2 was that creepy old bald man yeah, deal. Yeah. Uh, he sort of had that playfulness a little bit. but yeah, I, I felt like that's where they were testing it. Yeah, but the they I think they perfected it with the, the Dapper Papa. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I hope they have something up their sleeve to still capture that. We walked out of the show, and I think Rich said it, is that the, the show didn't drag at all. It was a solid 80-minute set, but they it just they power through it, and there's not really a downtime. No. It went by quick. Yeah. You know, we were talking about Papa 3 moving on to, I guess, Papa 4. I don't, even though now, you know, dude's name is out there and whatnot, I, to me, it's kind of like Sparty. Yeah. I'm, Sparty's a person. Papa's a person. I understand that there's a person underneath that, but I don't recognize it. I like to think of Papa as an entity and, and leave it at that. And it, you know, it makes it cooler in my mind when you, when you see them. Uh, and, completely. Yeah. Now, as we talk about Papa, we've had conversations before about front men for for various bands, your favorite being? Uh, Dave Gahan. Yeah, from Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode. Where do you feel Papa ranks in your... Uh, oh, he would be a top five for yeah. me personally. Yeah, I think I think he plays to the crowd perfectly. That kind of... It doesn't sound Swedish. It sounds more Transylvanian. <laughs> yeah, he's the perverted Dracula. Yes, uh, I think that eggs people on. We did notice at at the end of one song, you know, he always, he always drops the... The town they're in, you know, gets the, the cheap pop for the dropping, you know, Fort Wayne. But he, he after Fort Wayne, he's like, you, you know, whatever, United States of America, as yeah. they were, you know, closing out the song. And I'm like, oh, did Papa just go redneck on us because we're in Indiana? <laughs> That's exactly what you said when he, yeah. when he turned to me and said. Yeah. yeah, I think that has to be that because I've, I've never heard him say He's never done that. that. No, America. But, I mean, you could not be more middle of America no. than Indiana, so it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it, it, once again, it was kind of out of their quote-unquote character to do a couple of those things. Yeah. I didn't mind it. No, I, I got a chuckle out of yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, if you can't laugh and, and, and sort of suspend your disbelief and go on with that when you go to a ghost show, uh, you're not, you're not going to have any fun. No, it's, I mean, we're there to be entertained. I exactly. Was, I'm thoroughly entertained. Something I noticed, and I mean, every now and then you'd see this, I noticed a, a bunch of kids in this crowd. Yeah, little kids, specifically little girls. Yeah, just a lot of kids. I don't know if that was because we we're in Indiana. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Indiana. I'm, you know, but 
but I, it is what it is. But I just I noticed a lot of kids in that crowd, and it got me thinking. Oh shit, are we at that point in the timeline where Ghost becomes kid friendly? And that you know, with the things that Papa says, and obviously their songs, and you know, hell, man, they're well, quite frankly, they're they're singing about Satan. I, I don't know that they mm-hmm. could. Talked about that. fucking a lot too. A lot about fucking. Yeah. So I don't think they're gonna show up on the Electric Company anytime soon. <laughs> no. With Damn the it. whole Satanist angle, but yeah. it, it, I do find it weird. People are bringing their kids. I think that's more. I can't afford a sitter, and I want to go to the ghost show. Right. Those kids' hearings are gonna be fucked. By the way, they, yeah. they were close. They were close without headphones. Yeah. 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 So I, that's. I don't know. It's, it's not how you'd raise your child. Nah, probably little, not. Little no. Dickie Bronson Jr.? Nah, he wouldn't be going there. No? He'd watch Danzig videos at home. Danzig videos? <laughs> yeah. You know, wholesome. And and Rocky movies? Oh, fuck yeah? Yeah. There's a lot to glean from those movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you don't get much more mainstream than being played as a bumper on Monday Night Football. And yeah. Squared Hammer was all over... 2016 Monday Night Football. Yeah, I feel like, uh, well, it was it was in a bunch of places. Square yeah. Hammer was getting a lot of play. They yeah. obviously kind of put the, you know, put it in the PR machine. and, and, and It's a jam. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It gets people going. Yeah, no, it's it's it has a great intro. It has a great riff. Uh, it has one of those great, it's just, it's an arena rock song. Yeah. You know, and I realize they're touring with Iron Maiden right now, and they're playing arenas. I don't know that I can see them playing arenas as as a headliner. I, you know, and I don't know that I'd want to go see them, like, no. play the Palace or the Joe or something like that, you know? No, I, I, you know, I'd love to see them play Masonic Temple. I, I feel like, I think it's just, I said that earlier, that that's a... That's a place that has a certain kind of, you know, haunted, creepy feel to it already. And it's such a cool venue that, you know, I'd, I'd like to see them playing places like that. Uh, but I don't know how many of those exist versus, you know, arenas. Yeah. They're a band that almost demands ambiance. Yeah. Because yeah. It's, it's an entire everything goes into making that show feel that way. What I do hope is that their banners are fire retardant because I've not seen them use those flame pots. That w- this was the first time we saw flame. <laughs> I thought those were going to catch fire. Yeah, they were right there. <laughs> I was surprised because the last couple shows, they were using flame on, on the tour, but when they go to certain old theaters, they're not allowed to, and they have to use smoke. And they certainly have smoke up front, but that's a a very old theater and a really nice theater. I was surprised that they were allowed to do that. But again, it's Indiana, and I think we could pull over right now and buy a whole lot of fireworks. Yeah, I was surprised at how much fire they used, too, because it wasn't just a few different spots. No. Like, during year zero, it was all fire. Pretty much every time you screamed, Hail Satan, there was there, <laughs> there was, was a fire. lot of fire. There's the hell of fire, as they say. Lots of blinking lights. But no, I was... Uh, I was thoroughly impressed. It was definitely worth the drive to get out there, and we uh, we yep. arrived, got in, got out. Oh, it's perfect. Uh, everything was the, some about perfect that timing. that downtown Fort Wayne area. I'm about to pull them put them over. I'm sorry for everything I said earlier, but uh, there was some festival going on. So kind of once we got past that, there seemed to be a lot of parking open, 
and we were able to park half a, half a block away from the theater for free, walked to the theater, got in there between the bands. We missed the opener, saw the show, and got out, got in, and here we're back. We're, we're rolling. I, I fully expected us to be kind of, you know, gridlocked for a little bit. No, got in, got out. That's right. Now, there you go. how old were you when you first saw Kiss? Oh, the first time I saw Kiss? Yeah. Oh, it was like 1997. It was when they used 96 or whatever oh, okay. when, they, when they came back. I I never saw Kiss as a kid. Okay. Yeah, and I never once once I got rid of the makeup, it didn't interest me. What like, year was that? Uh, 1980. Okay. No, no, no. The, well, they did it twice. Didn't na- they? 1980 was when was when uh, Peter Chris left, and 1983 was when Ace Freely left, and when Ace Freely left, they did like a mini tour with Vinnie Vincent as this uh, like Egyptian god replacing Ace Freely in, in makeup and that didn't last very long and then they went they went no makeup with uh, Lick It Up so that was Vinnie Vincent's first first album so that was 1983 um, so that's when they I didn't know they went without makeup that long because I had to look it up because yeah. I remember I had so a Batman 17 years yeah how long I thought it was like 17 years that's insane something like that because yeah. I had a, the only time I knew of that is I had a Batman years. Shadow of the Bat comic book from like ninety four. I'm not sure exactly the nineties, and I remember distinctly it was a Kiss without the makeup on. I don't remember what album it was, but it was an ad in that comic book, and I remember as a kid being like, "Oh, what?" Yeah. <laughs> it was well, it was news to me at the time. <laughs> well, I remember when we first got uh, Much Music, which is the Canadian yep. version of MTV. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I was addicted to the uh, the Power Hour, which was their metal show, and they played "Lick It Up" nonstop. Yeah, yeah. And I was always disappointed because, like, oh, Kiss. Oh, this one. Yeah. Now, Rich, as someone who's seen Kiss and Ghost recently, who's I don't know if a huge fan of either. What was your takeaway from Ghost compared to that Kiss show you saw? Kiss was cool. Kiss was long though. Like, they played probably twice the amount of time Ghost played, would yeah, you say? Yeah, yeah, that was a long show. Yeah. Yeah. So, as cool as it was, after a while, you're kind of just, like, itching. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to take a walk, you yep. take a little break. <laughs> I want to say you did go for a little walk for a while there. Yeah, I had to fuck off for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, I was pretty much captivated the whole time, just because it wasn't... I feel like Kiss was more a lot of them standing on things that moved... <laughs> <laughs> this was yeah. this was a lot of uh, cool thing to watch were the subtleties as opposed to like giant rotating disc or like dude riding down a zip line or things like yeah. that. These guys that's funny built a character <laughs> that they portrayed like physically. Yeah, and it was the way they moved and the way they did things that kind of kept you sucked into it and the pyro and stuff at like the, at the right times, not like okay, well we did a little pyro so we got to outdo it for the next song, you know that type of thing. It was just more like pro wrestling or like Kabuki or whatever else, where like a lot of it was a lot of the little things that kept you sucked into it. We're like, okay, this is pretty sweet. And then, uh, but Kiss was definitely more of the Michael Bay, you know. Uh, not to say that they weren't awesome; they sounded great for dudes their age, and it was really cool. Yeah. But I, it's hard to compare because it would be easy to compare them, but I don't think they're easily comparable. I wouldn't say like one's better than the other. I still think there were two separate types of shows. Yes, very much so. Yeah. One thing I like about Ghost is that they don't do encores. 
No, you don't really need to. I think they're like that's a little more of the the shit they stand against. It seems like they hate mm-hmm. cliches yeah. and rock and rock and roll music, and that's why they do what they do. And it feel like the we're gonna pretend to leave and then come back seems a bit like a stupid pandering trick they didn't want to fuck with. Like, okay, you know we're gonna do an encore. Like you're not. Yeah, I did like that when Papa dropped that. Yeah, like, do you really was... think we're gonna leave you on such a shitty ending? Yeah, <laughs> you know that. You know this isn't the end. I'm not even yeah. gonna walk off the stage. Basically, yeah. is what he's saying. Is, yeah. Come on, we both know. You know, and he's basically buying time for the band to grab a drink. You know, lift up their mask for a hot second and towel off for one more tune. And there's a lot of that during it. You see where they walk off the stage between. Yeah, you know, I he's, noticed. He's either leaving for a while while they're playing, or or they there's a moment where they can walk off the stage and and uh, you know just I guess refresh themselves. Yeah, I noticed the rhythm guitar guy disappeared for a minute or two and came back out playing. Yeah. What did you think of the Sisters of Sin? The first thing I said was I turned to Jason. I go like. Looks like they just picked a couple girls like right before the show. He goes, yeah, that's exactly that's what, what they, they do. do yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they clearly even giggly like. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of their deals. That's they, cool. Uh, you, I, I guess uh, you can submit a I don't know if a, a picture or what, but you can submit your name and I think they have because you'll see at the show there's there's a, a few w- women dressed up as nuns. Some of them have you know various takes of of nuns. And what they wear, and you know, they usually, they honestly, generally pick the, you know, certainly attractive women, but not like slutty nuns. They don't pick no. the slutty nun costume. They want they want you to wear, and maybe they have those to cover up whatever you know, crazy nun costume they showed up in. But um, they're always wearing like the full frock and everything. Yeah, I mean they should. Yeah, I, I mean I one thing is like. The ghouls look fucking cool. Like, yeah. their suits are cool. Those yeah. masks are fucking cool. Those medallions they have, like, yeah, they, they look awesome. Oh, of the three iterations of the nameless ghouls, this is the best looking they've ever been. Because yeah. it started off, they were just hooded people. You just couldn't see their face. Right. And then they had sort of this uh, pointed mask, almost like a beak. Yeah, it was kind of like uh, Eyes Wide Shut type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Or Spy versus Spy. And they actually had two versions of that. They had an all black and an all white. Yep. So this is, yeah. Yeah, and so and now they're just the, the devil horns. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably the least comfortable of all of them. <laughs> but they, yeah, they're basically wearing a hockey mask the whole yeah. damn show. But they look great. They look cool as hell. Yep. Yeah, I don't see how I don't see how it stays on and how they can play the way they do. Got to have little heads. I guess. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a little head. Yeah, that's good. You know. Well, I'm curious now. So we were talking about uh, little kids at shows. Oh, jeez. How old were you when you you guys first went to a show? Thirteen. Uh, my first concert, I think I was fourteen or fifteen. I mean, Ninja Turtles the live show doesn't count. No. No. I saw that and that was dope. Yeah. The thing <laughs> is, and I may have discussed this before. So we went to go see Ninja Turtles live, and, like, you'll never believe this, but the lights went off, and Shredder took over the show. <laughs> Completely unplanned. They need to fix that. That's I just mean, some bad security. I just wonder what the show would have been if they didn't have to fight Shredder the rest of the fucking time. Oh, really? <laughs> I should ask for a refund, really. Honestly, like, what did they have planned? It's pretty fucked up. Anyway. Um, no, my first concert was uh, in excess opening for the Go-Go's. 
And then oh, my, wow. my second Holy concert, shit. yeah, it was a long time ago. Uh, my second concert was Black Flag's essentially last concert. Um, last concert with Henry Rollins. Oh, wow. Yeah, that happened in Detroit. Uh, I think my real concert concert was uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas tour. So Danzig headlined. Deep Purple opened for him. Uh, and before that, there was Helmet, Gravity Kills, Corrosion of Conformity, and a band called The Posies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah Dream yeah. All Day. Yeah, Absolutely. I missed them. But uh, and there might have been one or two other bands on there, but that was like 13 or 14. In my opinion, Gravity Kills should have been bigger than they were. I thought they were cool. They were written off as like a Nine Inch Nails ripoff, but I think yeah. they, had, they had a cool thing going. No, they were great. I, I saw them and Republica in Toronto. My first real, real show was uh, Soundgarden, Nine Inch Nails, Marilyn Manson, uh, Pop Elite itself, Reverend, Reverend Horton Heat. It was an uh, all-day festival in Barrie, Ontario, uh, and it was it, it got me hooked into I need to see all of the shows I can, I can yeah. forever. What year was that? That was 94. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it was uh, the Super Unknown tour for Soundgarden. They were the headliner, and then the, the co-headliner was uh, Nine Inch Nails just after Downward Spiral came out. Oh, okay, okay. Fucking crazy show. And uh, Marilyn Manson's album, uh, Portrait of an American Family, I don't even know if it had come out yet. I love that uh, on that show, Basket, Zach Galifianakis' show on FX, it's fantastic, by the way. Uh, Marilyn Manson is on one episode, and he plays like an Arby's employee or something (laughs) for like two minutes. I'm like, that was fucking Marilyn Manson. What What is he doing? I think it was baskets. I think I'm almost positive that's what it was. Yeah, but yeah, no. So that was uh, I, I was, I think I was, yeah, I was definitely 16, 17. So I didn't start going to shows until a little later. I think that I'd like to bring my son to a show at some point. It would have to be, I'd a, a carefully selected show. It'd still be a rock show or a hip hop show, but he would also have those giant earmuffs. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you'd have to. Yeah. And I just looked, and it was eastbound and down Marilyn Manson was on, and he played a server at a roller rink that gets berated by Danny McBride for, like, 45 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right. You guys got anything else? No. Well, there goes all our Indiana listeners. Yeah, sorry, so, uh, dude. Sorry. <laughs> Fort Wayne, downtown Fort Wayne looks nice. Downtown Fort yep. Wayne was dope. Yeah, we had to uh, scoot out of there in a hurry. I got a, yeah. I got a flight in the morning. Yeah, we're going to literally take it home here, guys. Trailers for sale or rent Rooms to let 50 cents Ah, Turning on to I-69 here. I'm sure there's tons of road noise as well as all my hiccups because this mic is like it's because you ate a Baconator in three I, seconds. I crushed it, yeah. <laughs> I know. I said I was going to crush it. Yeah, you made you everybody did. feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then Jason started eating faster, and I did, and then I'm the last well, one fucking done. you had like a four-course meal going on over there, dude. I like to have some fiber. I understand. Fuck. Rich likes to poop. No phone, no pool, no pets. Ain't got no cigarettes. But Man, there was some weird dialogue in those Sam Raimi movies sometimes, too. Like, his weird little speeches to MJ are supposed to be endearing, but I'm like, 
Oh, shit. That we was just, a bird. We just hit a bird. We just hit a bird. Oh, well, Lord. Correction, a bird hit us. There's yeah. no <laughs> that, no splatter. No, yeah, that thing's got to be dead. Oh, it's, it, it looks like its flight pattern was thrown off by the Walmart semi next to us, and then, uh, oh, that sucks. Well, fuck. Two hours of pushing broom buys and eight, 12-bit room mama. I got to pee, guys. Okay. Right. We can keep. We can talk for. We a can talk right now. I'm pulling over here. We're gonna talk while you pee. We can bring it uh, in. I mean, let's. No. I will, <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll hit pause on the recording part. But uh, I was thinking of skipping this exit, and then it's like as soon as I start thinking about peeing, I got pee. Man of means, no means. I mean, I could eat again. Do you? What do you need to eat? No, you're fine. Oh, I don't okay. need to. We'll hit the sitco. You might be able to get some jerky. I would totally get some jerky. King of the road. Are we recording right now? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to eat the sausage with the microphone away from my face. Two hours of pushing rooms and eight or 12-bit room. I'm a man of means by no means. I have to pee again. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to pull over at this exit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. Yeah, we're almost there, but I gotta pee. So it's not. Yeah, we're not getting there unless I pee. <laughs> this is why Rick drives. Yeah, this is exactly why I drive. I, I've been drinking iced tea all day, knowing that I shouldn't have drank iced tea all day because that like super saturates yeah, like, me. Iced tea is like the most pee-producing yes. liquid, and I don't think there's science to back that up. But I just always know iced tea makes mother people's pee like a motherfucker. Yep. No, it I'm. Uh, it does. It makes this people's. Uh, Speedway. Where? Uh, oh, thank you. Oh, I love right. Speedway. Speedway's great. We can I get got some more so meat many, sticks. I got so many Speedway points. <laughs> oh my god! I no, hang I my hat on that. So bad. <sighs> what the fuck? How do we? It's get It's never there? easy to get to a Speedway either. You always oh, have to do some weird. Okay. Let me turn you. Yield to my pee. Holy shit. Uh, oh, this is an urgency one. Huh? I just, it, I'm telling you, once I decide, um, it's, it's, happening. it's happening, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo. Okay. Okay. Pee time. King of the road. Trailers for Santa Rent. Room. No phone, no pool, no pets. I ain't got no cigarettes, ah, but two hours of pushing broom buys and eight or twelve bit broom mama. Edit that. <laughs>